Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle L. Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. Back again on a Friday, it is Fantasy Sports Daily. Captain Kirk not here for the festivities. Um, I don't know, did anybody wear beige in Star Trek? I, I don't think so. Uh, Kyle Aubrey Grayflowers hanging out with you on a Friday. A uh, Friday in which we get set for a big weekend. The divisional round beginning on Saturday. A couple of games on that day. A couple of games on Sunday. Ray, it should be a uh, fun get-together today. I know Armando Marsal is joining us, but a lot of football, a little bit of baseball. How you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm a little uh, harried this morning. We've been running around a little bit, doing a bunch of different things here. But uh, I'm going to try to zone in here and meet your energy, Kyle, for the next hour. Are we still uh, expecting a lot of rain tomorrow in San Francisco for the football game? Is it you know, uh, still uh, damp yeah. and dreary and slightly cold out there in the Bay Area? Let me look that up as we're talking here. I know that the, there were concerns that there were well, – forget what they call atmospheric, some atmospheric yeah. condition. They give a fancy atmospheric name Atmospheric low, I think is what they say. Something, storm, whatever. Looking at the most recent Santa Clara weather report, it looks like there's about a 20% chance of rain. So it looks like we're going to be okay. There was some concern that there'd be winds and it would be a crazy storm for the Bay Area, but it does not look like that is going to be the case. Okay, so we're good on that front. And uh, we should be pretty good, I think, everywhere uh, weather-wise. Certainly in Detroit, despite what a Tampa reporter uh, wondered aloud about. They, they don't have to worry about the weather in Detroit. Uh, we've got a lot of things to worry about today. We invite you to give us your thoughts, your questions, your comments, whatever they are, uh, via X, via Facebook, via YouTube, however you are uh, indulging in us on this Friday. Uh, by all means, if you've got questions, give us a yell. In terms of what we're talking about, well, as expected, a ton to preview going into the weekend. I mentioned Armando Marsal is going to join us with some DFS thoughts. Also, we will uh, delve into an article that's up at fantasyguru.com uh, was actually posted yesterday. Uh, it was after Ray and I signed off on the show. Uh, but it was Mike Horn who uh, likes to do some deep statistical dives and uh, look for maybe edges, whether it's fantasy, maybe it's wagering, whatever it may be. Uh, just some things maybe you've thought about, but you've never gotten the answer. And uh, this week, Ray, uh, with a column po- posted yesterday, the edge of rest, which I know is a big topic with you when we get to the playoffs. And, you know, we've had a lot of guys who maybe set week 18. They didn't play in week 19, and now they're getting set for week 20. Guys like Lamar Jackson, guys like Christian McCaffrey, Ray, it's a, it's a full three weeks since they haven't played any football as they get set for this weekend. Yeah, and I love Mike Horn's work. He doesn't do a lot of interviews, and he, I don't think he's on social media. I think he's a Kyle Ulfrank. Uh, but his work is really, really good. Uh, he does a lot of it with kickers, which I think some people think, oh, this guy just is kicking. Nah, he does a lot of other good stuff, uh, and so we'll talk about that. But, yeah, I think that just the idea – in you know, there are, no matter what the data says, right, there's always arguments for and against something. And me, the idea of I'm going to take three weeks off from doing something I've done for the last five months, that seems, I mean, think of it, folks, you take a vacation, are you right back at it day one when you get back from your vacation? You're not. And this is a totally different scenario where if you're like a tenth of a second off, you're going to lose. So Mike dug into the numbers. We'll present a few of those numbers coming up. Uh, injuries, Stefan Diggs, maybe a question mark for Sunday. Uh, Mark Andrews, what's the latest there? Mention Armando's dropping in. We've got some coaching news with Atlanta and Bill Belichick. Uh, we will conclude our wrap-up of all things running backs, uh, looking back at 2023 and looking ahead to 2024. I can tell you this, there is not a Bijan Robinson 
in this upcoming draft class. So we'll give you a few names there and we'll sneak in some baseball talk. Ray's uh, draft guide is out. It is available. Yesterday, we talked about some hitting bums in 2023. Today, we'll go after the pitchers, guys who bumped out in 2023 and talk about a rebound. And we should know, yes, indeed, Ray, the guide is out. The guide is available. Uh, I guess it's been a full week now that people have been able to uh, sign up and get the information and all of this week, columns dropping each and every day. I saw uh, at the website today what we're talking uh, closers. We're talking solds. Uh, that's some of the latest stuff that has been posted with that uh, with that draft guide. Yeah, I'm really happy. I've only had two errors that I've made pointed out so far, which is pretty good for a week. So that's, you know, I guess I did a decent job this time. Uh, but yeah, today we're talking the, the relief market. Uh, you know, we did the, the rookie market earlier this week. Next week, we'll do the head-to-head -head game. So we've got all these things, little kind of mini guides inside the main guide but you know go to fantasyguru.com click the join now tab the top right uh sign up for the fantasy baseball product it's 50 dollars. use the promo code fsd20 you get a 20 percent discount that code fsd20 is good for all of our packages no matter what you want to sign up for so you can use it for pretty much everything uh and don't forget we're talking all the baseball here and everything but we do have the football package we still have the all-in package and you can see that there on the screen uh, the all-in rest of the season package is $39.99 that gets you seasonal coverage that gets you betting coverage, that gets you DFS coverage, and that gets you the Super Bowl betting guide, as well as the franchise mode, which is basically our prep for the draft. So there's a lot there going. You can get the baseball product, you get the football product. we got them all still going at fantasyguru.com. And of course, you sign up for that uh, all-in football package, you will get the DFS coverage for this weekend for the four games, the uh, two games late on Saturday, same on Sunday. And again, we're going to be visiting with Armando Marsal. Coming up in just a bit, but Ray, let's start with that Mike Horn column and uh, talk about the uh, edge of rest, if it exists. And I will say this off the top. I really do appreciate that um, Mike dug into this. And sometimes, Ray, we want to find something dramatic and incredible and then write about it. And oh my God, look at this, people. It, there are some tidbits here, things worth knowing. But overall, Ray, I think it was an exercise that didn't like alter the rotation of the universe. You know, it, it was an exercise was, you know, part of it. Wow. There's really no change. Um, and then as you get later in the season, a bit of a change. Mm -hmm. Is it actionable change? That is what we'll talk about. Um, he looked, Mike did, at more than 10 years of wins and losses and results of games based off of rest disparity. So, you know, with bye weeks in the NFL season, with teams playing on Thursday, teams playing on Monday, you know, sometimes the Sunday matchup, Ray, has a team coming off, you know, 10 or 11 days rest versus a team coming off six versus a team coming off four. I mean, that has occurred before. So you have these disparities. And he threw out week one because, you know, everybody's starting from the same spot. Mm -hmm. And then went from week two to, to week 17, week 18. And what he found, and, and this is the part where really nothing dramatic happened, is early in the season, Ray, there's not much of a change. You know, there's not a departure from, oh, this team had a lot of rest, so they won. No, there, there's no real jump in percentage. It's pretty. But late in the season, Ray, and I think he looked at like week 13 on, there is a slight disparity. Which makes sense, Ray, as you get injured, as you get beat up, you know, you need more recovery time. Mm -hmm. When teams don't get it, there is a change. Um, you know, statistically, it's a bit significant. This all applies to this weekend because now, Ray, we've got some of these players, as we talked about, they haven't played in 21 days versus like Houston, 
They're, they're coming off, what, six days rest? Green Bay is coming off five days rest? If nothing else, we've got a heavy lean to the Ravens of the 49ers coming in rested and hopefully in a better spot. Yeah, and I and just to, to reiterate a point that we both made, I mean, when you look at 10-plus years of data, it's a lot of work. So <laughs> kudos to Mike because this, this is digging in, right? And I don't think enough people do this. We – me at times, all of us at times, because we're busy, right? You throw things out and you think this makes sense to me. Well, let's look at what the data actually said. And I think when you say we looked in the data, we plotted in early in the season, there's not much of a difference. I mean, logically, that makes sense, right? Every, guys aren't you know, as beat up. Everyone should be coming in healthy. You know, we got the system in place. There's no speed bumps to overcome. As the season wears on, we start dealing with some things. So I think logically, the the flow of what he was able to discover makes sense. And I think, um, you know, as you were saying, I was kind of hoping there'd be a, yeah, <laughs> there's not a, it's just, yeah, you know, so that goes back to the point I made at the top. It's like, you can look at the data and, you know, I think it helps a little bit, but there's nothing that stands out to the point that says it's absolutely wrong to do this. It's absolutely right to do this, but I still don't think I still think I personally still think the right and wrong way to do it. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I mentioned like week 13 on um, mm -hmm. a, a greater edge is gained mm -hmm. by those who have more rest days. Um, teams with much less rest. Let's say they're, they've got five days versus a team with eight or a team with 10. They win at a 43 percent clip and they score about a point and a half fewer than normal. So, you know, th there's your discrepancy now for fantasy, which is kind of where we land. What he saw is you do see a difference in fantasy production from like week 13 to week 18. It's not a huge jump. About the only thing he could could argue, Ray, is quarterbacks in the passing game. Sometimes with that rest, for whatever reason, they kind of see a, a bit of a lift. But you may have, in terms of the wagering or gambling world, you feel a lot better down the stretch about a team with rest. In terms of the fantasy world, it's not something where you say, oh, my God, these guys have rest. Like if you're putting together a one and done lineup for this weekend, if you're going heavy Ravens or heavy 49ers, it's because you think they're going to score 35 points. It's not really because you're playing the edge of rest for those guys this weekend. Well, and then also if you pull back and just think, you know, logical guys sitting on the corner drinking a beer, you're in the playoffs. Your best guys are getting the football. Doesn't matter if they're beat up. They're getting mm -hmm. the ball. There's no resting guys anymore. There's no, let's try to, you know, conserve this guy for a month down the road. It's go time. So that, again, logically, I think, leads into the fact that, you know, whether the player is capable or not physically at 100% doesn't matter. If you're Christian McCaffrey, you're getting the ball, right? That's just how it's going to be. We don't win unless you do it. Mm -hmm. uh, what I wanted to draw away from this, because it was not mentioned in Mike's article, uh, but this kind of goes to the heart of the matter as, of if it is good to rest your players in week 18 when you've got that bye. So how do teams like Baltimore and San Francisco perform in the second week of the playoffs? Um, Ray, since 2017, if you're a one seed and you're coming off of the bye or any seed, because I think even two seeds got buys for maybe a couple of years. Um, playoff teams coming off a of bye are 14 and four straight up, but they're only 10 and eight against the spread. Now, remember, they're often playing the, the weakest team left. So that spread number is, is a little notable since going to 12 teams in 1990, 
So this is over 30 years of playoff results. Teams coming off a bye are 93 and 33 in the playoffs. They're winning 74% of the time straight up. Against the spread, though, they are only covering that spread 53% of the time. And that's going back 30-plus years with teams in the playoffs coming off buys. So as you look at this weekend, I mean, these are big numbers, right? Baltimore's favored by nine. Mm -hmm. San Francisco's favored by nine and a half. No one's going to sit here and say that those teams will lose uh, because they win 74% of the time. So you've got a one in you know four chance of, of an upset, you know, straight up upset here. Not a great percentage and kind of stands to reason. But in terms of teams covering that spread, you know, the dogs finishing, you know, in the case this week, Packers and Texans, decent shot that one of them will do it going into the weekend when you look at the history of teams coming off buys. Yeah, and I think that that this angle is something all of us talk about come playoffs because we have to look at history, right? Uh, I think that it's tough. It's really tough for me to, when we're talking since 1990. That's not five years. That's a long period of time. He said it's over 30 years. You kind of lean with the numbers meaning something. A lot of times we look, oh, in the last three years, or it's like, mm. eh, you know, who knows the matchup and where the teams were at at that period of time. But when you're, you know, you're talking to 93 and 33, I mean, over 125 games. I mean, that's a lot of games. So, yeah, it does seem to suggest strongly that one of the two teams will have a very difficult time covering the spread. Mm -hmm. uh, but that 93 and 33, that's wildly impressive. Because even, even if you talk about a team coming off by facing the lowest team left, these are playoff teams. These teams aren't four and you know twelve or four and thirteen. That is damn impressive, Kyle. Yeah. So that that is where we stand in terms of wagering, in terms of fantasy. But dig into the column, uh, Mike Horn. It's up on the main page, I think, right now. Uh, so you can hunt it down, kind of look at his numbers, look at his work, and uh, maybe see if there's something that catches your eye. Like I said, I read it and then kind of pulled away and said, okay, that that's what we see. But how about wins and losses covering the spreads? Where do we go from there? So uh, interesting numbers, to say the least. Uh, things get going on Saturday at 4.30 with that Houston-Baltimore game. Uh, notable there, Ray. Uh, Mark Andrews is going to be questionable. I would assume he's out there. It's a matter of how much, though. Um, Zay Flowers should be good to go. Worth noting, I think, to an extent that Marlon Humphrey is not going to play for the Ravens in their secondary. As I look at this game, Ray, um, the Texans and Stroud and specifically Nico Collins, they're going to need to air it out and have success through the air. I, I think that's how Houston can hang around, possibly pull off an upset, kind of similar to what we saw last week against Cleveland. They had big play after big play after big play. Uh, certainly the pick six has helped. I mean, th they came out against Cleveland, Ray, and, and had those moments, you know, those memories in the playoffs. Honestly, they're going to have to produce more of those this weekend on the road in Baltimore. Yeah, and it's a tough task. It's they're on the road. Uh, you know, they're they're facing the number one team in the conference, maybe the number one team in football. They've got a good defense, obviously, with the Ravens. It's a tough matchup for anyone, let alone a rookie quarterback, despite how well he's played. Receiving quarters a little bit beat up. Uh, are they going to be able to run the ball here? Eh. And if they're not running the ball, then you know that puts all that pressure on Stroud in the in the receiving core. So it's it's a very difficult matchup. I I I like I said this earlier, I'm not surprised that they beat. The Browns. I chose the Browns to win. I'm not surprised mm. they beat the Browns. I would be surprised if they beat the Ravens. I think that that's that's a hill that might be just too tall to climb. Kyle. 4:30 kickoff again. Uh, Ravens favored by nine. That uh, Packers 49ers game is an 8:15 kickoff on Saturday. 
Uh, 49ers mostly good to go. On the Packers side, um, A.J. Dillon's questionable. I think Jerry Alexander is questionable again. Uh, so we shall see. But but overall, I mean, the Packers, honestly, Ray have been playing without A.J. Dillon all season. So I don't think that's going to make much of a difference. Uh, Jerry Alexander, that is a concern. I mean, the Packers, Ray, they need to beat you with their offense. I mean, their defense, I, I know last week it, it came out and got off to a big lead. But I feel like that was really offensive driven. This is still a Packers defense that needs a lot of help uh, because they're not really a shutdown affair. Like, I, I would be stunned if if the Packers somehow a won the game but did it by like keeping the 49er offense from scoring more than 17 points and and I'm not picking the Packers to win straight out but Ray I just think they're going to give up points in this game to San Francisco and, and Green Bay's offense better be ready to rock and roll because I don't think the defense will give them much help tomorrow yeah man Jeff Mann's talked about that and it's like some people apparently watch last week and think the Packers have some great defense or something it's like no their defense is not very good uh, Alexander, fr- starting with the, I'm at the coin flip because I live in the city d- disaster to the suspension, to the ankle issue. He's all kinds of beat up. Um, you know, and, and, you know, as Jeff said on the show, I think it was yesterday on the Sirius XM show, elite sports three to 5 PM Monday through Friday on Sirius XM fantasy sports radio. I think he phrased it something like if, if Alexander tries to cover Debo Samuel, and he said it in much more colorful terms than I'm going to, if he tries to cover Debo Samuel, he's going to get torched. Like there's, he just can't, like, there's no way he can keep up with Debo Samuel. So I think that the key to this game will probably be the turnover battle. That's usually the way it goes. If an underdog is trying to beat a higher seed they're, they the Packers are gonna have to create turnovers. I don't know if their defense can do that. I think it would more, it would have to be more about the Niners making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, turnovers, Jordan Love, one interception, I think in the last 10 weeks or something, some incredible number versus 21 touchdowns. So he has been sharp as attack. Uh, he and Brock Purdy, actually, probably the two best quarterbacks over the last two and a half months in the NFL. So they will be meeting head to head tomorrow night in San Francisco. Sunday, uh, we get going a bit earlier, three o'clock for the Tampa Detroit game. Uh, Laporta has been limited all week, uh, but he should play. Khalif Raymond questionable on the Tampa side Ray I guess Chris Godwin is questionable but I think everybody expects him to give it a go and to be out there against the Lions yeah that'd be my expectation too and like I was saying earlier you know unless you're unless you're broken right you're playing in this game uh mm-hmm. you know it's one thing too if you're Alexander and you've got a bad ankle and you got to cover guys people have to cover Godwin so yeah I, I would be stunned if he didn't play how effective he's going to be we'll see but um He's going to be out there, and they're going to obviously need him in that matchup with the Lions because Lions are probably going to put up some points at home. And then you've got uh, Casey and Buffalo. Uh, you always have to wonder about the weather here. Um, there is snow. I mean, it's not like you know, 10 inches or anything, but there's – and they've had snow all week. It, it has never really stopped in Buffalo this week, uh, but nothing like last week. Um, but there is going to be some snowflakes, but a lot of that's expected Sunday afternoon. The game itself doesn't kick off until 8.30 Eastern, so it's, it's a, or 6.30 Eastern, sorry about that. So it's an evening kickoff. Uh, they expect the snow to mostly be out of there, but again, you got lake effect stuff, so it could pop up. Uh, Buffalo Ray, Stefan Diggs didn't practice yesterday, and, and officially they said foot slash rest. Rest makes sense, Stefan Diggs. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the foot's the reason that this guy has disappeared for two months. I don't know. But but he did show up with a DMP on Thursday. Yeah, and I don't – I mean, let's pay attention today, but I'm not anticipating this being anything. I think he's out there. I think he plays his normal complement of snaps. They obviously 
have a difficult time winning a football game without him out there. And we've talked about it previously about how defenses are covering him because of the fact that, you know, he's really the only option. Gabe Davis, who knows with him still, but uh, I, I'm in fully anticipating just like with Godwin digs to play. Um, we'll find out after the season. I hope some information as to what happened and transpired in the second half of the season with him uh, beyond the fact that defenses were, were focusing on him, but I anticipate him playing this weekend. Well, it's, it's like uh, what Kyle Pitts this week. Oh, he was, Dealing with what was a strained MCL all season. Yeah. He had knee problem all season. Mm-hmm. We only hear it after the season. So, you know, maybe that's why Kyle Pitts uh, disappeared for a month at a time. And maybe that's what's going on with Stefan Diggs. Sal in the chat room says uh, Diggs should be well rested since he hasn't played in three months. Oh. See if that makes a difference uh, come Sunday night. Uh, Gabe Davis, likely out if you care. I don't know. It, it, Ray, this is a perfect Gabe Davis moment where he shows up and he goes off for 170 yards. So Out of nowhere because no one's expecting him even to play. Or yeah, right? I mean, his go back and look at his season totals. Like, it's stunning. Zero, <laughs> zero, one, zero, zero. Like, I don't – I can't explain that. Like, I yeah. can't. He, he will be like eight years from now, Ray. Someone similar will say, oh, he's like – this guy's like Gabe Davis was back in the 2020s. You know, we'll, we'll be making that reference. Constantly again, that kickoff is uh 6 30. That is the biggie KC and Buffalo. Okay, let's dig into the X's and O's, dig into a bit of the DFS, get some thoughts from the mind of Marsal back with us on FSD. Good to say hello to Armando Marsal dropping in on a Friday, hanging out with us on Fantasy Sports Daily. Armando, good to see you. I know you're a bit under the weather, so uh, thank you for toughing it out today. How's it going? Oh, it's going well, Kyle. I'm feeling much better. I just just did you with a cough. I had an upper uh, airway or upper respiratory infection, so I'm mm. I'm still on antibiotics. Uh, but feeling much better. Just the, the cough that doesn't go away. So if I do <laughs> cough on the show, I do apologize in advance to everyone who's listening. Uh, I'll try to limit that uh, on the show here today. How okay. are you guys doing? We're we're doing well. Um, you know, we could use some warmer weather. It's 10 degrees where I'm at. Rain's dealing. Rain's dealing with the clouds and rain and. Armando's hanging out in Florida, probably heading to the beach. No, no, no beach, no beach. But a lot of, you know, humidity. It's too much humidity for this time of year. Too much humidity. How about that? You know, (laughs) give me that 10 degree weather. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I don't want that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not too bad. But we're doing well. We're looking forward to the weekend. We wanted to bring you on to get your thoughts. And and let's start with that big game. Ray and I were just talking Buffalo, Kansas City. Um, There's a part of me, Armando, that says both these teams have underwhelmed this year. They're still here and they're still playing, but they've underwhelmed. Who's in a better spot coming into this game? Does it have to be Buffalo who's got the winning streak? Or do you think Kansas City, after finally maybe figuring some things out last week, is in a better spot for this one? So I think you got to think that Buffalo's in the better spot. They're at home here. They've been playing, you know, really good football. They got hot at the right time. I I, I guess it's the way you could say it, you know, and, and usually... Uh, we, we talk about this, you know, when teams get hot at the right time, they're they're dangerous. And I think we're seeing that with Buffalo. Uh, I, I do think Kansas City wins. I picked them to win mm. in our staff picks. Uh, I, I do think they win. I think that the defense uh, overcomes here. We saw this this game play out uh, not too long ago. Uh, Bills got the best of the, the Chiefs that game, you know, uh, but it was a very close game. Uh, you know, not a ton of scoring. Uh, you mentioned the weather there is going to be, you know, a little iffy there. I, I, I don't anticipate it's going to impact the game. Both of these quarterbacks, both of these teams are used to playing in this cold weather. Um, so I, I think we're going to see a very good game. I think we're going to see a competitive game. I think, in my opinion, this is probably the game that you, it's going to be closest uh, on this weekend. And I think, you know, truth be told, Buffalo does have the upper hand simply because, you know, their offense is a little bit uh, healthier. Uh, they have more weapons. You know, they obviously have Stephon Diggs. 
Uh, I'm not worried about I heard you guys talking about I'm not worried about the DMP. I think he's going to be out there uh, at this point in the season. A lot of these players are playing with some type of injury or some, you know, so, something that's not 100 percent. So uh, but to answer your question, I think it's the Bills. I think they have the, the upper hand here, but not by much. If the Chiefs win this game, Armando, is it 302 from Mahomes? Is it 80 and a touchdown from Kelsey? Is it 120 and a touchdown from Rice? Does Pacheco run for 100 yards? Like, how do they beat the Bills? How does that happen if it does? I think Pacheco has over 100 yards and a touchdown if they win this game. Remember, he didn't play the last time these two teams met. Like, I, I you know, and I'm not saying that that was the difference maker in that game, but they've really incorporated the run game, uh, you know, with Pacheco. They've been utilizing him. You know, he's a big part of this offense now. You know, they, they're not that explosive offense that we, we're used to seeing that they're, you know, taking a ton, ton of shots downfield and executing those plays. Uh, so they've kind of gone a little bit back to the base. Still a very good offense. Uh, but I think it's going to be Pacheco. I think he's going to be the difference maker. Most people will probably think it's going to be Mahomes or Travis Kelsey. I do think that they're both going to be very involved as well. We've seen Buffalo struggle in the middle of the field. They're dealing with a lot of injuries there in the secondary. So I do think they're going to have a good game. But I think it's ultimately going to come down to the run game here for the Chiefs. That they can establish the run game. If Pacheco could get going, I think this is a game where they keep Buffalo's uh, offense off the field and then let their defense do the work. We've seen the Kansas City. We, we don't talk enough about the Kansas City Chiefs defense. I think they've done a phenomenal job this year. And I think they're arguably a top five defense. And at this stage of the season, this is where the defense has come to play. And you, you want to make sure that you give them, you know, a shot to rest. And with that, it's going to be Pacheco on the field and running the football. So uh, I'm expecting a big game from Pacheco here this weekend. Let's go to Detroit, Armando, and talk. Uh, okay, everyone's expecting, I think, the Lions to win at home, right? Yeah. Uh, but Tampa Bay's here, and Tampa Bay's been hanging around. And the Tampa Bay won last week and all that kind of stuff. Baker Mayfield's beat up. They didn't have success running the football last week, but they still won the game. What does Tampa Bay need to do to win this game, and what do you think their chances of accomplishing that are? They're, they're going to have to score a lot of points here, Ray. Uh, I, I think they're going to have to score a lot of points because uh, I, this is Detroit is a very good team. I'm excited to see them here, uh, but they're going to have to lean on Mike Evans. I really think that that's what's going to have to be. Mike Evans has been kind of quiet the last couple of games. He didn't have a good uh, game last week. Uh, you know, week 18 wasn't great either. Uh, so they need to get him going. He, he's the he's the light of this offense. He's the, their 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 best player on this offense. He you know 13 uh, receiving touchdowns this year. Scored a touchdown in all but six games this season. Just he's their offense, and he needs to get going here. It's a great matchup. Detroit really has struggled. Uh, uh, you know against receivers. Uh, they're top three in, in, in receiving yards allowed, in receiving touchdowns allowed, and fancy points per game allowed to the position. They're top six in receptions allowed. Uh, you know they're they're bottom ten. And a coverage, uh, you know, defense coverage against receivers per PFF. So good matchup here for Mike Evans. He really needs to get going if Tampa Bay wants a chance. And Baker Mayfield, he just has to continue to play well. He's been doing good. I, I'm excited to watch him play. I think he's finally, you know, getting that opportunity that he never got early in his career. And I think he finally found uh, a place where he's comfortable and playing, playing good football. So uh, I think they both are going to have to do a lot here, but I agree with you, Ray. I think it's going to be Detroit. You know, I, I it's a good story. I, I love it, and I think that that story continues after this week here. And you say score points for the Bucks. It's kind of surprising. You look at recent history. They scored 29, 34, 30, and 32 uh, in the last six weeks. Now, they also threw a 13 and a 9 up there as well. So they've been good in four games <laughs> and really disappointing in two. Um, one last thing on that game. Uh, there's a lot of quarterbacks. I'm, I'm in a one and done, raising a one and done. You might be as well. There's a lot of quarterbacks I can choose this week. I've, you know, obviously got Allen Jackson, you know, Mahomes, I still have available, Love, Purdy, all these guys. I might go Jared Goff. And, and I'm wondering what you think of that. And again, with one and done, you also are saying 
when is the time to use a guy? And, you know, it's not necessarily driven totally by the matchup. But do you like his matchup against Tampa for this weekend? I absolutely love it, Kyle. Um, I mentioned this on my podcast uh, this week when I went with Chris Rose. And uh, I DFS, I'm going to get different. And it's not, you know, wild different of going way out. It's going to be at the quarterback position. It's going to be Jared Goff. He's at home where he plays his best football. Tampa Bay is a pass funnel defense. We know that they could stop their own. We saw it last week. Uh, but they do struggle through the air, right? So I think that Jared Goff, I think the last time these two teams played, if I'm not mistaken, he attempted close to 45 passes. Uh, I think it was upwards of 40. So they're going to pass here. Uh, I'm not saying they're not going to be able to run against Tampa Bay, but they're, it's moving the ball is going to be easier through the air against the Tampa Bay than it is on the ground. So I love it, Kyle. I think a one and done, he makes a lot of sense. I think at DFS, he's going to be lower owned than Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. And I'm not saying he presents the same ceiling as these guys. But you're also getting massive salary savings, and you're getting someone that gives you a pretty good floor in a great matchup, uh, a matchup where I think there's going to be points scored. If you look at the totals, one of the highest totals on the slate here. So uh, I, I like I like that call a lot, and I'm totally on board. He's he's probably top two, top three quarterback for me this week when you're looking at DFS or one and dones because I don't think many people are going to be going there. Let, let's keep it in the world of DFS, but switch games. Um, Saturday we get rolling with Houston at Baltimore. Um, at tight end in the DFS world, uh, you got Mark Andrews who could be back. Now he's questionable. Assuming he's back. Let's say we get the word pregame. He's going to be out there. Armando, he runs 5k, uh, which for the weekend is like the fourth most expensive tight end. Isaiah likely is 4,700 bucks. Now I I, I got a feeling a lot of people are just going to outright ignore likely if Andrews is back there and he's still pricey at 4,700. You know, we, we have to play the ownership game, of course. But if, if I said, hey, I want to play one of these two guys, do you go on Andrews or do you still think likely is the more likely to produce on Saturday? Uh, I love it. I I, I mean, that, I, he set it up on the tee there. Great job, yeah. Kyle. Uh, I, yeah. I, I'm going to say I like likely, right? <laughs> but with Andrews in the picture, it's pretty much a situation I think I'm going to avoid just because of the options we have this weekend, right? I do think that Andrews would make a an interesting GPP play because I think everyone's going to be scared to play him and everyone's going to be kind of hesitant to see what how uh, you know he returns, what his role truly is in that first game. Ultimately, I hope he doesn't play. I don't think he plays. Uh, but if he does, I do think he'll be a risky GPP option. And, you know, this the, the matchup is good. Houston struggles against tight ends. We, we You know, we, we've been targeting them against tight ends. Uh, so they do struggle against the position. But for me, um, you know, I, I, we saw David Njoku pretty decent game last week. But for me, it's just too risky. It really depends on how many lineups you're running. If you're running one lineup, I wouldn't, you know, suggest you do this. If you're running 20 lineups, have some exposure to, to both of these guys. I prefer Andrews. I think, you know, if he plays, I think they're going to, you know, it's going to be no hold barred. Just let him go and do his thing. I, I don't see a reason why bringing him in on a limited basis makes any sense for this team. So uh, I'd be stunned to be played though this week, Kyle. I, I don't know where you guys stand on that, but I, I don't expect him to play. In that same game, if we stay in the DFS world, Armando, um, if we pull, if we look at the football world, everyone's expecting the Ravens to win. I think Kyle mentioned the spread's nine earlier today. It's a home game. You know, It's going to take some miraculous things for the Texans to win. Given what your expectation is with game flow here, uh, who would you be interested in using in the fantasy space in the DFS game from the Texans? You know, is is that a way, is that an area you can differentiate yourself because no one's going to be going the Texans' way because they're facing the Ravens. Everyone's expecting them to get smoked. Do you think they're going to have to pass a lot in the second half because of the game flow? Talk to us about the Texans and if you're keen on anyone in the DFS space. 
I'm not overly excited about anyone in the DFS space, but I do think that this is a great opportunity to get contrarian, right? Uh, I don't think many people are going to be on CJ Stroud. And we saw last week, first of all, amazing rookie campaign by this young man. I mean, he plays like so comfortable. You watch him. There's no pressure. There's no, he just, just, it's just flawless football when, when you watch him play uh, most of the time. It was a gr- against a great defense. I think we forget this. Against a great defense uh, of the Browns last week, and he just did an amazing job. So I think if you're going to get contrarian, attack this passing game again. You know, C.J. Stroud, Nico Collins, we know where the ball's going uh, there in Houston. Noah Brown out for the season on IR. Woods, uh, a match kind of dinged up as well. So I think you, you go with C.J. Stroud to Nico Collins, and you can even throw Dalton Schultz in the mix. I, if we're expecting them to chase points. We're expecting them to pass the football. And I think with a quarterback like C.J. Stroud, I know he's a rookie. I know he's on the road, but he's playing at an incredibly high level. I, I mean, he's playing amazing football right now. And I think if there's anyone, I said this on the podcast, if there's anyone that's going to make have an upset this weekend, I think it's Houston can upset Baltimore. I think if there's going to be an upset, that is it right there. And it's simply because of C.J. Stroud. So – if you're trying to get contrarian, I think the Houston Texans side is the way to go. Though I do expect Nico Collins, because of his recent performances, to be a little bit higher owned despite the, the difficult matchup here. So uh, CJ Stroud, though, however, I do expect him to be one of the lower owned quarterbacks on this slate. Niners, Packers. We were talking earlier, we were Mike Horn's article. He's got that great article talking about rest and everything. And I think that's one of the few concerns with the Niners at this point in winning the football game is are they going to have an issue because of the rest they had? Everyone's going to look at Christian McCaffrey who had the rest, but hey, he's good to go. We're hearing all the positives. In a one and done, you've got the debate, do you wait or not? In the DFS space, do you just have to use him despite the cost, despite everything, because he's going to be so chalk you can't afford to miss out on the 25 points he's likely to put up? I can't fade Christian McCaffrey this weekend. Simply, it's the matchup is good. He's underpriced, so he's sub-9K on DraftKings. I don't think we've seen that uh, since the beginning of the year, if I'm not mistaken, if at all this season. He's just someone that – we know what he brings to the table. The floor is phenomenal. The ceiling, there's no running back that matches his ceiling here this weekend. There's no running back that matches his floor. There's nobody on this slate that matches what he brings to the table. So I think you're going to eat this chalk. Um, you know, the only concern with me is that he was dealing with that injury, right? Before, uh, you know, the, the the bye week that he didn't, he sat out the final week of the season. And I think it, it, the calf injury and those can re-aggravate, right? We've seen this before. Like those are dangerous. So that would be the only thing that slows him down or the only concern I have when it comes to McCaffrey outside of that, I think he's a slam dunk play and you could get different and creative elsewhere. I talked about the quarterback position. That's a way you can get different and creative Uh tight end position. I think it's a, a way you could get creative and there's a lot of value receivers here. So there, it does allow you to, uh, you know, free up some salary and fit in McCaffrey here this weekend. So I, I think for me, he's a building block and it's just tough to fade uh, on such a small slate. Yeah, good point that he is under 9K. He is still, though, about 30% more expensive than the next highest yeah. running back. So there is that surcharge if you want to go to McCaffrey. Uh, number two on that list is Aaron Jones. He's at 67, McCaffrey 88. Uh, last thing, Ray referenced this, so I will ask it. For the one and done, would you use Niners this week, or do you save them for the presumptuous conference final or even the Super Bowl? Like, do you use these guys, or do you just kind of – you want to keep them in your back pocket if they're playing Detroit or if they're playing Tampa or certainly for Super Bowl weekend. I think you could definitely use one of them. Um, I, I would, I would hold off on McCaffrey, maybe use George Kittle this weekend, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like he could be that one. There's a lot of tight ends available, but use George Kittle here. 
Uh, I, I think he he's going to be able to get it done against the Packers. And if you don't want to use McCaffrey, if you're concerned about Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel, because they, you're going to get some Alexander, assuming he's fully go, good to go here. Uh, but I'm okay with using anyone. I preferably would save because there's still some quality running backs left. So I probably would save McCaffrey, especially if you're only starting run running back this week. But I'm okay with playing any of these guys. I mean, I think Brock Purdy's fine. I think Brandon Ayuk is fine. I think Debo Samuel's fine. But if you want to get different and you just want some exposure to the 49ers uh, where you might not want to use it again, maybe George Kittle and, and save yourself McCaffrey here. But yeah. definitely get exposure to the 49ers. Yeah, and if you use Kittle this week, uh, you're still left with a lot of options. I mean, you could still oh, have wow. Laporta or Otten. You could still have Andrews or Likely. Kelsey. Uh, you could still have Kincaid, Kelsey. I mean, that position is actually thicker than usual yeah. uh, come playoff time for the one-and-done setup. Armando, a pleasure, man. No coughs. I didn't count one at least. So no, I'm no, sure. I muted them. I muted them. I mean, I made sure to meet them. But I do appreciate you guys having me on. I, I'm sorry I couldn't make it on last week. Yeah. It was far worse. But uh, looking forward to doing this again soon with you guys. Okay, have fun. Well, take it easy, Armando. We appreciate it. Okay. All right. Have a great day and good luck to everyone. You bet. Armando Marsal joining us here on Fantasy Sports Daily. A pleasure to uh, check in with him and talk a little football. Get his thoughts. On the upcoming weekend, a couple of other quick uh, news and notes from the world of football. Atlanta is set for a second interview with Bill Belichick. That's a fairly significant sign, is it not, Ray, that, that this thing could happen, Belichick to the Falcons? Yeah, but I also question, why does it take a second interview? Like, what else do you need to find out? Money. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe it's going to be a gotcha question that no one thought of in the last 35 years. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good sign. And, uh, you know, you and I talked about this when the season ended for the, the Patriots, that on surface, this did look like a scenario where if I was Bill Belichick, I'd probably be interested. Another interesting thing uh, in terms of interviews, the Chicago Bears. Now they're staying with Matt Eberflus. Uh, but, Ray, they are looking for an offensive coordinator, which it's a very important hire when you've got this Justin Fields decision. Mm -hmm. um, they're interviewing a few guys. One of the names that came out yesterday, Cliff Kingsbury. Remember mm -hmm. him, Arizona head coach? Uh, went to USC and uh, was was not on the staff. I think he was kind of in a position of helping with the offense. He wasn't really paid and working with USC. But Ray, people are already drawing the connection that if Kingsbury were to Kingsbury were to take this job with Chicago, would that put the Bears more in the frame of mind of hey, let's draft Caleb Williams of USC? So that will be something to follow. I, I maybe that's drawing too many conclusions. I mean Kingsbury, Ray. You know, it didn't end well in Arizona, but I think he still has the chops to be an offensive coordinator. I, I would take that shot, and whether it's with Fields or Williams, I, I would feel better. Hey, if I'm Justin Fields, Ray, I, I'd feel excited about having Kingsbury as my OC next year. Well, if I was Justin Fields, I'd feel much better about Greg Roman being my OC. Right, uh, yeah. And there's, there's, there, he's interviewing uh, there as well, because Roman obviously is the, the, the Ravens, uh, mm -hmm. former Ravens OC. So, yeah, I think it's very easy and probably simple, but still logical to say they hire Greg Roman, they're keeping fields. If they go with Kingsbury, they're going to the draft. Uh, Kingsbury is, I don't know, man. I mean, didn't he have Patrick Mahomes in college and not do much? I don't know. I mean, I, they put up points. Winning games was difficult. But they yeah, put you know, I mean, and I we talked about him on and on and, you know, the Kyler Murray, the whole thing—it just didn't work. Now, offensive coordinator, maybe, maybe, but yeah, I think that that whether they—they're going to make a decision, right? And I don't know if they announce it. Like, how do they hold this back? Because once you once you announce your OC, is everyone knows now we're trading fields or now yeah. we're trading the pick. So I don't know I, the timing of how the announcements come out here will be fascinating. 
if one of the two guys ends up signing with someone else, that <laughs> answers the question too. So I'll, I'll be interested to see how the, the calendar plays out with this decision for the Bears. Yeah, they don't garner near the attention of head coaching hires, but those coordinator hires are very critical. And of course, every year at Fantasy Guru, uh, going into the new year, we break it down and kind of talk about the OCs, the DCs as well, and what is going to occur for a team and, and their fortunes because of those coordinator hirings, not so much the head coaching hire. And speaking of uh, next season, uh, we are in the early stages of draft prep. This week, Ray and I have been talking about running backs and Yesterday, we, we touched on free agents. We talked about the guys who led the way earlier in the week, the guys who disappointed. Uh, draft, Ray, uh, last year we saw B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs go really early. Um, as of now, it doesn't appear to be anything like that. Um, I, I was looking at a variety. I think I, I looked at three or four different resources, and I am no draft, Nick, but I looked at, you know, there are some places out there that it's readily available. You can dig into this stuff, and I, I didn't see anyone out of four jump arounds, Ray, that had a running back in the first round. And there were some that didn't have a running back in the second round, maybe a max of two in the second round. So this is kind of back to, to the way it used to be, if you will, uh, where we're not going to more than likely not get anybody in the first round and the second round may be thin. So we say about this every year with drafting, Ray, it's not that if you're drafted in the fourth round, we don't care. This is going to really depend on where these guys land. You know, so much of, should I be excited about these guys or not in fantasy, is not what pick they were. It's what offense do they land in? What is the situation they're going to have? Absolutely. And there are, despite what we saw this season out of the Falcons, there are very few Bijan Robinson type of players that are legitimately three down backs that can do everything on a football field to an elite level. There's very few running backs that can do that. There's a ton of running backs that are really good. And then, it, like you said, it just matters where they end up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the the Falcons situation, because remember, Bichon, was he, was he running back eight? Like, he wasn't awful and he was fine. He just wasn't utilized the way we all expected. There's a price to be paid, head coach getting fired, if you spend a first-round pick on a running back and he doesn't go full-on Ezekiel Elliott, right, yeah. and just blow it up. And so I think that's part of this. I think part of it is the fact that, like I said, not a lot of running backs are – full service running backs. And then finally, you know, the, the shelf life of these guys is really small. And if you have a system that's in place and you put guys in that are good athletes that fit the system, it works. And that guy can be a third round pick, a fourth round pick, a seventh round pick. He can be a free agent pick. Like you can definitely do that at that position. So there's just not a need unless the guy blows the, the socks off the gym to really push these guys up high in the draft. Well, and, and to tie the two discussions together, yesterday we we're talking about free agency. It's a very deep, free agent pool of running backs. Again, this draft class is pretty thin. Um, not to say there won't be guys who star. There always are because they get opportunity. But speaking of that opportunity, Ray, if the Giants don't sign Barkley, mm-hmm. if the Titans don't bring back Derrick Henry, if the Raiders move on from Josh Jacobs, uh, the Chargers, Austin Eckler's probably, all of a sudden you're getting six, seven, eight teams that lost their running back. Now, they may go out in free agency and bring in somebody else. But a lot of these teams, Ray, will be looking from rounds three to six to draft these running backs. And if a guy lands with the Giants, if a guy lands with the Titans or the Chargers, there's your excitement. So whereas, you know, it doesn't scream, oh, there's a lot of there's cool guys at at running back. There will be a large amount of landing spots, larger than usual, just because we have a larger and better than usual class of free agent running backs. So the shuffling 
is going to occur. And, and that could totally change the outlook. And I, I was looking at one board, Ray, the top running back they had was Jonathan Brooks of Texas. What's interesting about that? Jonathan Brooks of Texas is coming off an ACL tear in November. <laughs> you know November. I mean? <laughs> he might. And, then, and then other guys, you have Travion Henderson of Ohio State, uh, Trey Benson, Florida State, Blake Corum. A lot of people saw him with Michigan. Uh, Bucky Irving of Oregon. Um, Audric Estime, I think, is, is the way you say it out of Notre Dame. There are guys, but Ray, we got to say, you don't want them landing, um, you know, behind David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. You don't want them landing in a Chicago backfield where they're going to have to compete with three or four other guys. You want them landing in a spot where, wow, the guy that's there has never been the guy. He's been good for 80 carries, but he's never been a 250. And now I get to bring a rookie in to compete with that guy. That's what you're hoping for when we get to draft day with these names. There's other guys available too. Tony Pollard, Gus uh, Edwards, Devin Singletary, DeAndre Swift. Like there's a lot of established NFL running backs in addition to the names you mentioned. And I think you're, Again, this is totally what we preach and teach at fantasyguru.com. It's the system. It's the system. It's a system. Okay. And you don't have to look any further than one of the landmark players in fantasy football in 2023 who was taken in the fifth round at pick 164, Kyron Williams. Okay. It's exactly the type of running back you're talking about here. A guy that, you know, the draft Nick community, he's 5'9, 190. You know, he's got some skills, but eh. Teams pass and pass. Here he is in the fifth round. The Rams take him, and boom, he's a fantasy superstar. So we'll, we have to see, and this is one of the reasons I sometimes people get on me, Ray, why don't you study the college game? Doesn't College game doesn't matter. None of that matters until they get drafted. I say it every year, and I, it, I mean, until we know where these players are going to be, yeah. how high they jump, how fast they – they all jump high. They all run fast. Unless they have Kenny Pickett's small hands, there's not a lot that usually sets these guys apart from one another. Yeah. Landing spot, so critical. Uh, next week on the program, we'll delve into the wide receivers of 2023 and moving forward into 2024. Uh, still a lot of studs, still a lot of passing in the NFL. So these wide receivers becoming more and more popular. So we'll save that for next week. Uh, to wrap up things today, a little bit of baseball um, each and every day this week and continuing pretty well to the start of the season and beyond. Uh, we're going to sneak in some baseball. Ray's got the draft guide out. It's available right now at fantasyguru.com. Again, use that promo code FSD20. That'll get you 20% off the season-long coverage of all things baseball at Fantasy Guru. It also gets you the draft guide. It gets you all the preview articles. Yesterday, Ray, we talked about uh, hitters who bummed out last season and their opportunity for a rebound. Uh, today, we're going to spotlight some pitchers. Um, now, before we get to the names again, bumming out as a hitter, bumming out as a pitcher, I guess they're slightly different things. But what are we looking at with the pitchers who failed last season? Yeah, it's the same kind of discussion we had yesterday. If you miss it, you can always find the, the shows on YouTube at youtube.com slash at Elite Plus Network. You can find us on the podcast networks, too, if you haven't figured that out. The show is also on podcasts, you know, Pandora, uh, you know, Google, Apple, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then over at the website as well, at the in the Elite Plus section. Uh, basically, we have to determine what was the cause of the struggle. Was the cause of the struggle injury-related? Was it opportunity-related? Was it expectation-based? Did we expect too much of the player and he just was never capable of doing that? Uh, most of the time with pitchers, it's injury. It's a change in mechanics or repertoire. Or it's bad luck. If it's not one of those things, it's the skills just going in the toilet. And if that's the case, there's not usually a way to come back from that. Mm -hmm. 
you mentioned skills going in the toilet, Ray. Alec Manoa's on this list. <laughs> it's, yeah. Like, it, it's just wild, the cliff that he stumbled off of. Yeah. To, to where the Blue Jays didn't even want to deal with him. They, they practically, you know, sent him off into oblivion and said, don't come back. But I guess he'll be back this year. But I, I don't even know if I can trust spring training. Like, if he if he throws well two, three innings at a time, are we going to, to have Alec Manoa as someone to get excited about? To me, he, he lost it so badly last season, Ray, that I will gladly just keep passing on him and let him be a dart throw for somebody else out there. Yeah, it's very rare, and I, did, I haven't done this study, but if you come up with a name quickly off the top of your head, Kyle, let me know, where someone's gone from top three in the Cy Young voting to the, literally vomiting in a toilet the next year. He never finished top three in Cy Young, but Rick and Kill is a pitcher, Ray, having experienced okay. that. You know, this guy who came up, it was going to be a, a Cy Young right. candidate and then suddenly became an outfielder DH. Started winning the ball <laughs> everywhere except for in the strike yeah. zone. Yeah, that's a good call. But, yeah, I mean, think about that. Manoa went from top three Cy Young vote to the minors and people questioning whether he's ever going to be in the – like, I don't know what happened with him. He's a last-year bum. If you are brave, and I mean you like to say it with your chest and you'll run out, you're, you're one of the people that goes to a, a football game when it's three degrees with your shirt off. Maybe you take Alec Manoa with your last pick, right? Yeah, I mean, but, that's the thing. Like, he should not be selected any higher than, like, your seventh or eighth starting pitcher, right? Yeah, he can't because yeah. we can – and sometimes – I didn't say this in my intro because this rarely happens. Sometimes guys just are so bad, like, you don't even know what to do. Like, every everything he threw last year sucked. Everything got smashed. Everything was line drives here and there, hard hit balls here and there. He couldn't find the strike zone. He couldn't miss bats. Everything sucked. And when it's that bad, he's 25 years old last year when he was doing this, by the way. When all of that happens and you look, he's 25, then you start hearing, okay, let's look at Alec Manoa, who probably is 50 pounds overweight, right? He's the younger version of CeCe Zabathia. It was that. Was it an endurance thing? Was it a focus thing? I, I've seen photos of him in the offseason. He's lost some weight. Good for him. He should have. Yeah. When pro athletes get chunky, I never get it. Your job is your body. But I don't know what to do with him here. And he is he's on this list because he has to be on this list. But if I'm being yeah. an objective analyst, I don't know what to do with him because it was so catastrophically bad. It like really defies analysis. So to your point, this is if dart throw was a term that was invented for someone in particular, it was invented for this guy. Well, and for those joining us live, Ray, they can see these other names. The top three, Bieber, Cease, and Giolito. Uh, we already know one of those guys is on a new team. Giolito is now with Boston. Um, Bieber has been on the trade market all season. Uh, we'll see if something happens there. So has Cease, but there was a report uh, in the last 24 hours saying that the the ask by the White Sox is so incredibly high that nobody's willing to, to pay the ask. So it, it's kind of looking like Cease starts the year with the White Sox, and then maybe there's a flip at the deadline. But mm -hmm. those three guys, right, like Bieber – it, it kind of feels like he just got old pretty quickly. Cease was maybe a bit unlucky, like the, the surface numbers make him look like he had a bad year, but maybe he really didn't. And Giolito, I guess you can just look at him and say the guy got crushed by home runs. And, you know, we hope and we assume that those numbers have got to come down this season, although Boston usually isn't the place to do that if you've got home run issues. Uh Giolito is an interesting case because Giolito, in some respects, and this is this is why it's interesting to do this uh, analysis, in some respects was basically the same guy he had been earlier. And the guy he'd been earlier was a guy that was giving you 180 innings, 180 strikeouts, and solid ratios, right? He was that guy for about two-thirds of the year, and then disaster implosion, home runs. 
he claimed, and you know that this news can be found, that it was a mechanical issue that he's fixed. Given the totality of his skill set, I'm more willing than not to believe that. I'm not saying you push him way up your draft board and you take him 23rd or I'm not nothing crazy. But when we're in those middle rounds, if he's sitting there, I'm okay there. Because he also showed that durability with innings and strikeouts last year still. Cease had a scenario where in 2022, he was the best he could possibly be. And I think his pullback was partly the expectation game. He was considered a bum because we compared him to 2022. Was he that far off? No, but he's also not going to go back to 2022. So I think he he's also someone that you can add and feel pretty confident that the price you're paying this year, you're probably going to be okay. Innings and strikeouts from him. Bieber's a really fascinating case because with Bieber, we can directly point to what's going on here and we could say he's losing velocity, he's losing movement, and he's losing strikeouts. <laughs> and that ain't good. Yeah. And you know, for a guy that was so dominant at times, and for a guy who's only 28 years old, I mean, his strikeout rate the last three years, 33%, which is elite, 25%, which is better than league average. That's a massive drop year to year. And then 20.1% last year, which is well below the league average. So he's gone from elite to below the league average in three years. And, and does it ever come back, Ray, like strikeouts? He's, he's at, he almost has to feel there's some injury here, but nothing has been done in the offseason. And, you know, I guess he's missed some time, but I, I just wouldn't make that bet on it coming back. If I were a major league team and I needed like a third or fourth starter, I'd maybe take a shot on Bieber. I don't think the cost is crazy because of where he stands with free agency and stuff. But, and as fantasy, I, I don't think I'd want to take a shot on him as one of my first five pitchers. Eh, maybe an SP five. I, I might go there with Bieber. You, you might go a little earlier, huh? I, I, I might, but you have to be reasonable with your expectations. Velocity was 94 miles an hour in 2020, 93 miles an hour in 2021, 91 miles an hour the last two years. He's lost velocity. He's lost. Let's just be honest. Bieber has lost stuff. Okay, he's lost stuff. Now, there are pitchers, and you, I think they're not fair comparisons, but I just think of Zach Granke, Kyle Hendricks, Miles mm-hmm. Mikolas. These guys, you can, Bieber's skill set can still get outs. And I think he's good enough mentally, and he's still good enough with the strike zone and the control to still get outs. Is he going to ever be a dominating guy to answer your question? No, I can't foresee him ever dominating ever again. Can he be a third or fourth starter in the big leagues? Like you said, yeah, I think he absolutely can do that. There's a ton of guys that have stuff levels in comparison to where he's at right now that have success. He's just not going to be a star anymore in the fantasy game. Many, many, many more names uh, are uh, noted in Ray's column looking at last year's pitching bums and their opportunity for a rebound. Again, hitters as well. We talked about that yesterday. Uh, do check out the draft guide, uh, fantasyguru.com slash product slash MLB dash memberships is how you can take advantage of that. Uh, great, wonderful, not only weekend reading, but also preseason reading. And Ray and the crew are putting up articles each and every day. They're changing rankings, all that good stuff. A couple of other quick news and notes on baseball. It sounds like Houston is really making a move for Josh Hader, uh, who's still a free agent. Uh, Talked about Cease. um, Yankees, (laughs) this was good, Ray. Everything was great with Rodon, Stanton, Rizzo, and Jason Dominguez. I will say it now, Ray. That'll be the last time that all four guys have positive outlooks for the Yankees. Everybody feels great here in the month of January. Yeah, Dominguez was really interesting, too, because there were a lot of reports out there that Dominguez was going to be with the team in camp and have a chance to make opening day roster. Now we're here in midseason. Yeah. Okay. And he had Tommy John surgery on his arm. Okay, so I get it. 
But well, they don't have a DH spot, Ray. That's part of the problem. I mean, Rizzo yeah. and Stanton and others just eat that spot up. It's not like they can hide Dominguez as a right. DH. Right. And, you know, Stanton is what he is. Uh, you know, I'm undefeated with Stanton. So, you know, <laughs> Stanton is what he is. Uh, he's apparently changed up his routine, which is good because being a muscle fitness guy. <laughs> yeah, who cares? The Rizzo thing, I mean, that's concerning because it was a head injury. That's concerning. Yeah. He says he's okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, this in Rodon. I mean, Rodon's not to the level of Manoa, but it's like, ah, you know, that we said at the day they signed that contract, that 6160 yeah. to Rodon. We both said, bad idea. Yankees did it anyway. And one other thing, the Texas Rangers will have Wyatt Langford um, at their big league camp. Uh, so let the rookie hype begin for Wyatt Langford uh, if he happens to make that team out of camp. And, and there's a slight chance he could do it. Um, he will vault and fly up draft boards. Do, do you have... Do you have him ranked right now in your outfield, Ray? This is, Absolutely. you know, two months before everybody gets crazy about him. Where is he mm -hmm. kind of standing right now, Wyatt Langford? As of right now in the outfield mixed league scenario, I currently have him 48th. <laughs> That's pretty high. <laughs> yeah, and, and he's also in the, the top five in the rookie rankings at mm -hmm. FantasyGuru.com. You can read his player profile there. Basically, this guy kind of does it all. I mean, he's one of those potential five-category guys. Yeah. What is that, Kyle? Corbin Carroll kind of guys. Yeah, he's got he's built differently. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he's got tremendous amounts of talent. That's a great ballpark, a great lineup. Obviously, if he's playing every day there, like you said, vault. It's a great word. That's what will happen to his ADP. And uh, he was out of college. He was just drafted last June, I guess it was. So uh, on the fast track, if you will, and a few other guys on the fast track as well out of that the college draft from a season ago. Uh, got some news here, Ray. Gabe, Gabe Davis officially out, so we don't have to worry about getting burned. Uh, by 170 yards against the Chiefs this weekend. Um, again, two games on Saturday, two on Sunday. Write-ups all week long. I think we got live streams as well. Jeff's probably doing his tonight uh, going into the weekend. So uh, do check it all out at fantasyguru.com. As always, hockey and basketball, uh, DFS coverage is going to be uh, loud and in your face there at fantasyguru.com. Ray and I will be back next Monday, 11 a.m., to recap the entire divisional round weekend. Talk a little bit more baseball, some wide receiver talk as well. So, Ray... Um, enjoy your weekend, and uh, we'll meet again in a few days. You enjoy the weekend too, Kyle. Absolutely, and everybody else, enjoy your weekend. Uh, have some fun with the football. Again, uh, we get going at 4.30 for our first game tomorrow and 3 o'clock on Sunday. Set your calendar as needed. That will do it for us. We will see you on Monday right here with Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.